at the beginning of the year, God really dealt with my heart about relaunch, restart. And that's kept saying that, putting that word in me, putting that word in me. I said, God, what does that mean? Does God ever speak to you and say, what does that mean? Who just said that? What'd you say? Shelly's granddaughter. granddaughter. That's Shelly's granddaughter, not Rick's. <laughs> but, but what does that mean? Restart. There's some of you this morning, you need, you, you need to press that spiritual restart button, and I'm going to help you with it, okay? Because I, I learned it as I was going, and as I was preparing for this, and the Holy Spirit said, as the same way that we have uh, devices, how many of you got your smartphones, okay? How many of you got laptops or computers and all different kinds of devices? And, and how many of you, has it kind of just messed up at some times, and it doesn't want to operate properly? And, and, and sometimes just a simple restart fixes it, doesn't it? What it does is it puts things back where it's supposed to be. And see, this is the same thing that that our Christian walk is as well. If we got to sometimes stop when things get a little out of order in our life, whatever that might be, or, or you get a little off balance or whatever, you're like, what's wrong with me? And God's saying, I need you to hit the restart again, okay? Let's go back and let me go ahead and put this truth up here because this is similar. This is basically where we're going. going. It's going back and restarting helps put things back in perspective where you could see it. Because sometimes we get so busy and even pastors that I forget what our mission is all about. And it's simple. It's winning the lost, setting captives free, discipling believers in an atmosphere of freedom of worship. That's it. I need you to remember that. Learn that. Get it in your heart. Study it. Keep it. It's never going to change. Winning the lost. And after we win the lost, then we get them set free. Okay? And then we're going to disciple one another. We're going to grow in the Lord. And then we're going to have a place like this in a place of freedom of worship where no one cares if anyone needs to come and pray or, or needs just worship. We don't care. We just need to get to the presence of God. But it's putting things back in perspective. And so what I want to do, let's press the restart button and let's go back and let's review and look what it's like to be a Christian. Have you really thought of that? What does it really look like to be a Christian? What is a Christian supposed to look like? And I think a good scripture here that God gave me, stay with me, Eric, and you just hang with me. Are you Okay. You do that with me? Okay. I'm making up on all the time you've not been here. Okay, here we go. But listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Because this is where a lot of people hang here, and they just they, they, they live here too long. But watch what it says. Now, this is the most important thing about being a Christian. Number one, nothing more and nothing less right here. It says, Paul says, God saved you by his grace. You don't deserve it. You did nothing for it. It's free. Didn't have to pay for nothing. When you believed, and you can't take credit for this, it, it is a gift from God. Free gift. Isn't that feel good? The moment you say, I want you to come in my heart and save me, you're there. You're saved. You can't do anything, to, anything more to get. You just receive it. Salvation is not a reward. You can work. You could do, 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 do all you want, honey, but that doesn't save you. 
And I'm going to show you even that water doesn't save you. Even taking communion doesn't save you. Now, oh my goodness. I'm going to show you that those are acts of obedience to show people that you're safe. And we're going to come to that in just a moment. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Now, that, that's free. That's the gift. That's how you're saved. But now here's the thing. So this is saying you do nothing. That feel good? But then all of a sudden, Paul takes a big twist. And he, he changes it up, and he goes from doing nothing to doing everything. Let's go to this one now. Because then he, he says, if you're going to finally be a Christian, this is what it's going to look like. This is what you're going to have to do when you are a Christian. And watch what he says here in Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Work hard. Oh, <laughs> went from nothing to working hard. <laughs> now, here's when works come in right here. Faith without works is dead. Grace alone without works is dead. Work hard so that, now watch this, to show the results of your salvation. So people will know that you're a born-again believer. People will know that you're a Christian when you start to get involved, right? Now, it also lays this out too. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Y'all catch that? So salvation's free. Doesn't cost you a nickel for that. But once you get saved, then there's a newness that comes in, the Holy Spirit, that's going to just begin to empower you to get busy to do things for the glory of God. And now don't get the two confused. Because some people think they got to do all this stuff in order to get saved. That's why the churches aren't full. Because people won't come to church because they say, I'm not good enough. Well, guess what? If you're a sinner and you're not good enough, you're the failure, this is a grace place to come. Because it's a free gift. It doesn't cost you. You don't got to work before you get here. <laughs> the work doesn't start until after you get saved. Just come as you are and get saved. It's a free gift. You can do all you, people think they got to do all this work, work, work. Well, I got to do that. If I got to do this, then God has saved me. <laughs> Stop it. That's a lie from the devil. And he traps people up by that. And many people are living lost lives because they're trying to do, 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 do. Stop that. That's free. Just accept. Just boom. If a man confesses with his mouth, Lord Jesus, believes in his heart that God saved him from the dead, that you'll be saved. That's it. Simple. Now, but then you get busy. And so this morning, we're going to focus on answering this question right here that God gave me this week. What do I do after I give my life to Jesus? What do I do then? Or what should my life look like? Because what we're going to do, we gotta, we're going to push the reset button, and we're going to get back to the elementary about are you really living the way this is going to say, the way the Word says, the way that God tells us to live. Because I'm going to show you here that, that God lays it out, but before we dive into this five that plan that he, that, he, that he tells us that what a Christian should look like, I think the best scripture to start with is this right here in 1 Peter chapter 2 and 3. It says this, like newborn babies, when you first get saved, when we're going back restarting, when you first got saved, crave pure spiritual milk. Crave the word of God. Get hungry for more of God. You see, when you get saved, you ought to, man, I can't wait to get to God. I need more of God. I need everything that I can get of God, Right? So that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. 
And if, if you don't ever drink spiritual food, if you don't ever eat spiritual food or, or drink liquid, whatever, then, then you are not going to grow. This is what this says. And how do you do that? I'm going to show you just a moment by obeying the things he tells us to do. Now that you've been, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. So let's hit this restart button. And I'm just going to give you some things that God gave me this week. We're going to keep it as simple as possible because I want to ask you, I'm going to ask you five questions. I'm putting in a question form because this is really what a Christian should look like. And this is what it's expected. And it's not that much is what you think. It's really not. Now, let me show it to you. God shows us what a Christian should look like by following these five steps. Now, again, I'm going to put it in questions for you. And the first one is if you're taking notes. And stay with me now. Have you been baptized in water? That's profound, isn't it? <laughs> but there are some of you here this morning. This is what, and by the way, if it was important for Jesus to get baptized, don't you think it'd be important for us to do it as well? Now, unless you've got some physical problem or whatever, I understand it. He'll understand that. But if you are healthy, if you're here this morning, I guarantee you, if I ask you right now, have you been saved and have you been water baptized? And if I ask you to raise your hand, don't do it though. There will be hands going up saying, I have not been water baptized. You need to be baptized. And if you haven't, get with us after the service. We will fill the tank up next week because uh, it takes a little bit, and we will baptize you. We will baptize you every service if we could, but we can't because we haven't got a baptist where you can keep water in it. Trust me, you don't want us to keep water in that. It looked like a green pond after one week sitting there. It's not, it's not designed to keep water. And trust me, we, we went there. We tried to ask them. We, they, we can't do it. We don't have the right circulation. But, but listen to me. As a believer, you need to be baptized. Can't stress that enough. Now, watch. It says in Acts 2, verses 41, those who accepted his message or got saved were what? Were baptized. Now, let's go to the next one. I know this is profound. It's shocking many of you, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just telling you what a Christian, what you're supposed to do when you're saved. We got to go back. We're restarting. We're hitting the restart button. And God says, take them back. Remind them who they are. Remind them what they're supposed to be. Remind them how they're supposed to act. Amen. Now watch. It goes on. Acts 8 verses 12. But when they believed, Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. They were getting baptized, both men and women. So women, get over your hair. You get baptized too. Get on down. Don't stick your head up. These little kids, when we baptize them, they like to hit their head up. They won't go, the, the whole body goes down, but their head sticks up. I'm like, get, here, get on down here. <laughs> just don't put your hair all, don't do all the good stuff of your hair that morning. Just, it just be all good. Acts 8, verse 13. You get what I'm saying? I'm just trying to make a point. Get baptized. If it, and if it was important for Jesus, it should be important to us. Simon himself believed and was baptized. If you think about baptism, it's a little kind of humiliating because you're, you're, getting, you're getting this tank and you're getting baptized. You're getting all wet in front of the whole entire church. But again, that is, a, that is an act of humility and obedience of an outward expression of, of an inward commitment that you made. You're going down. But it symbolizes that you're going to go down as a sinner, but you're going to come up washed and clean. You're going to get a new heart in Jesus' name. Amen. So get baptized. And then you come out and you say, I'm a Christian, man. And everybody will know it, right? So get baptized. And, 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 and here's the second one that as I study, it's just a second one. It's so simple. is that you have to become a member of a local church. Specifically, 
get involved in a local church. Whether it's this one or any, I don't care. I'm not saying to be involved with this. Get involved in church. It's, it's what he says. It's not, I'm not making this up. And so because the, the local church was created by God to change the world. And God can't change the world if the church don't come together and be the church. And that's the reason why the enemy tries to divide the church. He doesn't want the body of Christ to come together. But let me read you some scriptures on this. Ephesians 2, verses 19. Paul puts this way. You are a member of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Now, again, it's God's plan for the local church to be a blessing and help the community, not the government. But we flipped it around, and now the government's helping everybody. And instead of running to the houses of God, because the houses of God are not being in the body of Christ the way they're supposed to, and they're not being healthy, they're not growing, they're not where they need to be, then now they got to run to the government for help. I'd love to have a Joseph church where the barns are so full we just can't, we don't got too much. We just got to keep helping, got to keep, got to keep planting. Thank God we're going to plant into Casa. We've planted every year. We're going to plant. And, and Casa's here. Represents, he's going to tell us some wonderful things about Casa Debbie Martin at the end of the service. Because why? If we stay healthy, we can help an area in our community that needs help. And they need us. If you, if you, you just can't, you're not relying on the government only, but they need help. But when the body of Christ comes together as a body, then... We can make a difference in the community. Now, here's the next phase, and I think this is the most important one because how many has ever gone to a church and you felt like, I'm not loved? Or they don't care about me? Well, if, you, if you're a believer and you feel that, then you're not being the Christian that he wants you to be because all these things I'm talking about is our responsibility to do these things. We just don't walk. Look, if I'm a believer and I go into church, it's my responsibility to tell people if I'm sick. People are, you don't know if I'm sick or not, but I'm sick home in the bed and I'm sitting there going, nobody loves me, nobody calls, nobody's checking on me. Well, nobody knows I'm sick. That's what the enemy will do. This is the reason why God set it up to be the body of Christ. And he takes it a step further. Now he says that are you a part of a life group or a small group? Do you have people in the body of Christ that's a smaller group that you could pick up the phone and talk to someone right now when you're going through a battle? That's your group. That's your go-to. That's your cell group. That's, the, that's what he's talking about. You need to belong to that. And listen, Denny, we need to launch more life groups. There are life group leaders here. Become a part of a life group. Watch what it says here in Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. Encouraging one another is what's saying. On toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. See, when the church started, they, say they met in these small homes. They met in these groups. Let us not stop doing that. Why? Because listen to me, your small group is, is, is how you get ministered to when you need ministry. If you're in a hospital, guess who's the first one's going to know? You're your small group. And guess what they do? Then they can relay that messages back to the pastors. Because in the Bible, it doesn't say the pastors. That if, if I had to, if I, it's impossible. I cannot go to the hospital with everybody in this church. Cannot do it. 
Now, if we had a church of 50, and this is what happens because a lot of churches are real small, and if they're small, that's a small group. The pastor can take care of everybody that way. But as you grow, it's humanly impossible. You know, our church right now, I don't know. I, I have no clue. I know COVID before COVID. We're gonna, I'm going to just pick a number. I don't have a clue. On paper, people who call this church, we walk into church. I don't know what we would say. What would you say, Becky? I don't have no clue. What would you say on paper? People call this church. How many people? Number. I don't know. 800? Between 800 and 1,000 maybe? I don't know. Would you guess? On, I mean, okay, but anyway, what I'm saying is this. And that, and that group right there that never comes, when a loved one dies, guess who they call? And so as a, as a small group, when you stay connected, they can help you. They can love you. My son's a part of a small group. He's so excited about that thing, and they just have fun with it. And Laura, you're here. Your son got connected with them a few weeks ago. And guess what? That's how it works. So his son or her son doesn't feel like he's isolated all alone. He, he gets connected with a little small group, and they all have like interests, and they do stuff together. My sister's a part of a life group leader down in, down in Georgia as well. They love it, and their small group cares for one another. And she said, Pastor Gary, or son, my brother, or whatever she called me, can you pray for someone in our life group? They're going through a sickness. See, they take that serious. They, they care for one another. Now, let's keep reading. Some um, stop meeting. I don't think I finished that, Dana. I'm just going back to that. As some are in the habit of doing that, they, in other words, they forget it, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we need to be a part of a smaller group. And here's the fourth one. I, I want you to ask yourself this question. Okay, how many of you are part of a small group? Don't raise your hand. You need to be answered, yes, 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 to all these. If you're a Christian, I can say yes to all these because we, we can't. Now watch, number four, are you growing since you've been saved? I mean, are you growing? Are you closer to God today than you were the day you got saved? Does people see you grow? Do they see that there's something happening in you or are you just still that baby still sucking on the spiritual bottle when he says like spiritual milk? That's what, that's what we do when we get saved. But now when you, get, when you become an adult, you've got to put that away. It's time to grow up and you've got to start growing. Watch what it says here in Hebrews 6 verses 1. Let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Wouldn't it look silly if you had a first and second grader and third grader just stayed in first and second grade until they were senior in high school and they were still in first and second grade? That looked foolish, wouldn't it? How silly would that look? But do we have Christians that's at a first grade level, but they should be a senior in high school? And God's looking at us. Are you growing? But whose responsibility is it to do this? We can't blame anybody. We can't point the finger at anybody. And this is really what God struck me with as I was preparing for this. It's our responsibility. Our responsibility. And so, and here's the last and final one. You got to go deeper. The number five. Have you found your purpose and using it to get others saved? And I know this is a toughie because people say, I really don't know what God's called me to do. Well, I'm going to tell you what God's called you to do. Okay, watch this now. And I shared this a few weeks ago. Ephesians 2, verses 10. For we are God's workmanship, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We just got to do something good for God's glory. But out of just doing, getting busy, doing something, what's going to happen is you're going to continue to grow and then God's going to burst something in you and you're going to start to line yourself up with that exact purpose that he's called you to do. But you'll never know his purpose unless you get started and get busy and start working doing something which God prepared in advance for all of us to do. Isn't that good? Do you know why you exist? You exist to tell someone about Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. But you all have different gifts and different, and different things to do. See, I'm called to pastor, but God didn't call me to pastor until I was 45 years old because God has a little sense of humor. I've never pastored a church a day in my life till here. So when I make mistakes, that's why. I didn't do it when I was 25 years old. I, it's all new to me. I'm just trying to learn, you know. I, I, 13 years in, I'm, I, I think I'm doing okay. I don't know. <laughs> but I found my purpose. And when I'm here, I know I'm in God's purpose because I feel it. I know because he anoints me because there's no way I could do this on my own. And you see Pastor David Cheney found his purpose. See, it's different from mine. But yet, our, and Pastor Eric's got a purpose. But our same, our same purpose and our motive is to get people saved. That's it. All of us. But you have different gifts. And so every Christian, bottom line, every Christian, we need to be baptized. Number two, you need to join a church. You need to be a part of a church and be bopping around, hopping here, hopping there. Hopping there. That's not healthy. Now, all it's going to do is bring confusion in your mind, bring confusion in your kid's mind. Get in a good Bible-based teaching, Jesus Christ, spirit-filled church, and, and just be fed and get there and be the church. And not, not just to go there and expect everything for you, 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 because this is not what they're saying. Because this is everything, everything I just mentioned is our choice. All these are our choices. The only choice is God's free gift is grace, and he gives us salvation. The rest is up to us. But he just says, I want you to do these things. So, so become a part of a church and then become a part of a small group because that group is going to be the group that's going to take care of you. That's going to be your family. That's going to be the one that's going to call you. That's going to be the one that's going to check on you. That's going to be the one that's going to be able to, to, to you're going to grow together. And when you got questions, then we come back together as a whole. And then you call the pastor, you call the teacher, and we can help. We can come in, you know, whatever. But you need to develop a group. Brandon, you and Ashley, and you guys, didn't that good? You guys got a great group. They got, they got a life group. Who all's in that life group? Raise your hand. Anybody got a life group? Okay, Bobby, Bobby and, and, and uh, Alan's got a life group right there. If you're not, if you're not get, find some. Denny and Betty's got a life group. There's others. Who else is a life group leader? But become, there we go. Bryson and, and, and her, her, Rachel. Pray for me, Rachel. I told you, I'm the best I got. That you got. Anyway, Rachel and Bryson, they got like, find, call, find out. And if you don't, they, we don't got room, get with them. We'll, we'll get you well and start it. You can start one. It'd be cool. You'll love it. But you need to be part of a group and you need to grow. Are you growing? Have you grown? Now, and last one is find your purpose, getting people saved. It's people, are you telling people about Jesus? Simple. And you know, you can tell people about Jesus. I can't tell about Jesus because we're all different. And you'll be in the right spot at the right time. And God's going to say, open your mouth and tell them about me. Tell them right now. Tell them, tell them. 
And you're going to like, you're going to be saying, get behind me, Satan. Because the enemy will tell you to do that. Now, when, and seriously, if you don't want to, that's the enemy. The, the God would, the enemy, Satan would never tell you to minister to somebody. So just do it. Just stick your neck out there. So this is what a Christian does after they get saved. But why are many Christians, why are many believers not doing it? I think I put that up here. Why are we not doing that? Why don't they do that? Because they've made a decision not to. Because every one of these things I just shared, they're all decisions, and you have to intentionally, on purpose, follow and obey and do them that God tells us to do them. And when you do those, I'm telling you, you'll have a healthy life. I mean, it'd be, it'd be fun. You would enjoy the life that you could do. And so what do we need to do? We need to press the restart button and start making some right decisions, church. And God gave me three decisions that we need to start with right now. The first one is decide to follow Christ's examples. Nobody else's. Quit following the world. Well, everybody else doing this. And you start arguing. Quit trying to make up your own law and obey the law of God's word and follow his examples for heaven's sake. Make a decision. That's what a Christian's all about. Is this okay? Decide to follow Christ's examples. Because trust me, the world's got a lot of examples. And then all of a sudden, because they're your friends, you want to do those examples. No, stop it. Be a man, a woman of God. Say, no, I'm going to follow Christ. I'm going to draw a line. I'm not crossing this line. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 1, he said, following my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow Christ's example. 1 John 2, verses 4, it says, someone may say, I'm a Christian. We see this all the time. I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. I belong to Christ. But if he doesn't do these things... What Christ tells him to do, he's a liar. Wow. So we have to learn to be and follow the examples that Jesus sets. Because let me tell you something, the world's watching. And that leads me to point number two. Here's the second decision we need to make. We need to decide to show others that, that you are a Christian. Show them you're a Christian. One way is when you get water baptized. You're showing people that you are saved. Let me ask you this question. I hope no one's ever come up to you and said, I've been with you for like 10 years as your friend. I never knew you were saved. That would not be a good comment to make to you. But ask yourself this question. If you're in a room, would people know? That you belong to Christ. Will you really truly be the light of the world? Man, you, you ought to glow. I want to be like Moses coming off the mountain. Woo! <laughs> Maybe not, not, not act like that, but just be glowing like him, you know? <laughs> Scare everybody to death. Oh, kids run. I don't think that God would want that. But you know what I'm saying? They ought to know. They ought to know. They ought to know. Lisa, I was your manager for years when we was younger. You probably saw there was something different in me, didn't you? I would notice it. You knew it one then, didn't you? Yeah. You know, I, I was running a lot from it. I, I was scared, scared of it. But, but I had to do it. But she saw, she knew that I was called to do this. Even then, you, can't, you, can, you can run, but you can't hide. But if you're a born-again believer, they ought to see it. They ought to, you ought to be able to show it. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 21, and remember, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. Okay? 
But watch what 1 Peter 3, verses 21 says. In baptism, we show that we have been saved. Did you just catch what I just said? That water doesn't save you. Let's read that again. I think first time some of you all see that. Because everybody thinks the water saves them. Does not save you. It's just an outward expression of an inward commitment. I just proved it. Watch. In baptism, we what? Show. Show what that we what? Have. That means you're already saved. You get saved, and then you obey, and then you get baptized, because this is the thing that we want to obey to do. This is the doing part. That's why I'm saying you need to be baptized. Been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ. Not because, of, here it goes again, not because our bodies are washed clean by the water, but because in being baptized, we are turning to God and asking Him to cleanse our hearts from sin. God, I want you to forgive me. That's why I'm being baptized. I'm, I, yes, I, I was an old person, but therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. I'm going down. I was going down old, but I'm coming up new in Jesus' name. I've given God my heart, that, and I'm going to tell the world about it. I'm going to show the world. But we need to show others that we're a Christian. We need to show them. Not only do we need to be an example, we need to show them. But here's the last one. You need to decide that he's your example, that, that, that you will follow his example and decide to show them that you're a Christian. Not only show them, but tell them. Watch. But decide to tell others you're a Christian. When's the last time that you're in a group of men, maybe in, that, maybe in, your, in, your, in your place where you work, and they're telling dirty jokes? Instead of stopping it, saying, hey, guys, I, I'm not going to listen to this garbage. I'm a Christian. I'm done. I'm going to have to remove myself from this conversation. I can't be in this conversation. Can't do it. Why? Because I'm a born-again believer. But now if you haven't showed them that, they're not going to believe you. So showing and telling is the same thing. You had up to this point, they got to know that you're a believer. Because I think if you showed them, they probably wouldn't be cussing around you in the first place. Right? So Tell people, open your mouth, tell them, I'm a Christian, man. I'm a born-again believer. I'm serving Christ, and I used to be that way, but I'm no longer that way anymore. And you know what? You can make Jesus your Lord as well. All you got to do is, is tell him, ask him, amen. He'll come into your heart and save you. In Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33, watch, whoever acknowledges or, or confesses me before men, Proclaims me before men. I will also acknowledge him before my father. Hey, dad, did you hear what they're saying down there? They love me. They love you, man. They're awesome. Or in heaven, but whoever disowns me before men, I will disown them or him before my father in heaven. I don't want, I don't want Jesus going up to God going, hey, they'll never talk about you, dad. They never say anything about you. Well, son. Just disown them. They're not going to say anything about you. And they don't really love us then. They don't love you. So decide to tell people to tell. And I think it's time right now as a church. Now let's hit the restart button and let's remind ourselves who we are in Christ. 
I, I will do what God tells me to do. If I need to be baptized, I'm going to be baptized. If I need to be a part of a local church, I'm going to be a part of a local church. If I need to be a part of a small group, I'm going to be a part of a small group. If, if I need to be able to, to share my story and, and find my purpose, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do everything, God, that you have asked me to do. And God, if you tell me to grow, I'm going to get in the Word and I'm going to start reading and I will grow, God. Why? Because, God, I have decided that I'm going to follow your examples. I've decided to tell others about you and I've decided I'm going to show everybody that I am a Christian because, God, what you've done in my life. I'm going to restart. I'm going to restart all over. I'm going to get this excitement back and begin to tell the world that there is a Savior that loves them and can change their marriages and change their lives and set them free. We have to do it, church. Let's restart. We have a hurting nation, hurting people all around us. I was talking to a teenager this week, and, and you know, she's just, all she wants is real. She's sick of it. She's sick of coming to something's not real, and she just wants real. She said, when I come in, I just want people to love me. I want people to care about my week. I want people to talk to me. That's what I want. I do that. Where you at? I'll tell you right now. Who are you? Not, not the one I talk to, but if there's somebody else, I'm going to tell you, I'm glad you're here. You're awesome to me. I told Pastor Dave, we're praying for you. I love you, man. Show it. Show it. Amen. For some of you, you need to restart. Time to push the button and restart all over again. Restart. Some of you need to just start. Some of you have never made Jesus your Lord. Oh, it's so simple. Don't complicate it. Don't put it off. Don't listen to a world that says, oh, you don't need that. Listen to me. Yes, you do. You know, at funerals, I tell this all the time. If I had free tickets to Disneyland, all expenses paid for you and your family, every nickel paid, your airline tickets down there, all your hotels paid for, all the accommodations paid for, all the food you go, no matter where you go, you get what you want, eat what you want, and the bill has already been paid. It's just going to be balanced on whoever's paying. Okay, it's paid for. All the festive, every activity, it's all paid. And the trip home is paid. And just maybe they might even pay all your utilities while you're gone. I don't know. But let me ask you this question. Who would say, no, I don't want that? If you raise your hand, I will definitely counsel you after church. <laughs> Who would not want that? But here's what I don't get, Pastor Eric. Yet, as much as that awesome as Disney World is, you know what's more awesome than that? As I've, as, as I've done funeral after funeral after funeral this past month, it's crazy. But there's one thing that I always find that people want. They want to live forever. I want to live forever. I don't want to die and say, this is it. I want to live forever. How do I do that? John 3.16 he gives us his promise. He says, God so loved the world so much, so much, that he gave his only son. While we were sinners, he did that. Baking on that we would one day accept him. But it says, but whosoever, and I love a bright, I'm a whosoever. And God's looking for some more whosoever's this morning. 
be a whosoever, whosoever shall believe in him should not perish. But watch, have eternal life. Are you kidding me? That's grace. I don't deserve You're going to give that to me for free. I get to live forever. Who in their right mind would not want that? A person who's been lied to by the world saying, there's no God. It's all dumb. Don't get involved with that. I'm here to tell you he is real. 2,000 years ago, there's not an atheist in the world can, can, can say that he wasn't here. We got proof of that. And he gave his life for you and me so that we can have eternal life. It's so simple. And then it goes on and becomes another whosoever in Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 that if you will just confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead that you will be saved. Verse 13 I get so tired of the enemy lying to people saying it's only for certain groups of people. Are you kidding me? Which Bible do you have? The enemy's confused you with the wrong doctrine because it says this, and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. (laughs) Would you stand with me? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Some of you just need to start. Come on up. You can have the team come on up now. Some of you need to hit the just start button and get saved this morning. I'm going to give you that opportunity. And some of you need to hit the restart. You've been saved, but you've got out of what a real Christian's really needs to be. See, a Christian's just not coming to church on Sunday morning. I like what you said, Danny, and just punching a, punching a, 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 a card. What'd you call it? A, a what? Your card. I'll get my card punched. Hey, I did my time. I come to church. That's what it's about. It's, it's about living as a Christian. But some of you may need to hit a restart. So I, I need to go back and, and, and start doing what God's telling me to do. Okay? I want every head bowed and every eye closed real quick. I want to ask you, if you don't know Jesus right now, come on. I, man, he's, he's, he's here right now. Nobody's going to embarrass you. No one's going to call you out. But I want to ask you, if you really need to make Jesus the Lord of your life and you say, I need Jesus to be my Savior, would you just, just reverently just lift your hand and just, just lift it up before God? Say, I need Jesus right now. Come on. It's going to take some courage. No one's going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you. No one's not even probably going to know. Just lift it up and say, I need Jesus. Come on. Come on. There's some hands. Come on. Any others? Come on. I'm going to give you some time right now. It's going to take some courage. It's okay. I need this Jesus you're talking about, Pastor Gary. I need him. Come on. Any others? Any others? Don't listen to that voice. People be looking. No, they're not. I just need Jesus, okay? Now, we're going to pray. But before we pray, some of you, I want you to raise your hand and say, it's time that I just press the reset button, Pastor Gary. Will you pray for me? 
If you're here and you say, I, I'm done, I need, to, I need to reset, I need to get this thing rolling again, and just pray for me, Pastor Gary. Would you do that? Would you raise your hand right now? Any of you, I want to pray for you. God bless. Amen. Hands are going up. God sees those hands. Okay, now here's what you got to do. You got to press the button. You've got to do it. Nobody's going to do it for you. You must do those things. It's you, your responsibility. So I want us together as a church to pray this prayer together for those who lifted their hands that needs Jesus in their heart. And you may be here not even raise your hand, but you know in your heart, you know in your heart right now that you want to make him your Lord. I want you to pray this prayer and I want you to mean it, not just because I'm praying it and not because we're praying it together, but this is between you and Jesus and you and him only. Make it personal this morning and I promise you, you will become a whosoever. Come on, let's pray this prayer. Pray it with me. Father God, I know that I'm a sinner because your word says for all have sinned and come short of your glory. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins and to come into my heart and to be my Savior. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross and you were, you were taken off that cross and you were buried in a tomb and on the third day, you rose out of that tomb for my salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, come on. Right now, angels in heaven are rejoicing. Come on, church. Let's rejoice with them. If just one comes home, amen. There's a celebration.